All right, folks, welcome back to Calling Shots. Uh, I'm joined by um, the guru, uh, Bowser to Bowser from, from Twitter. Um, I, I've had you on a few times really kind of diving into trends of in terms of st- strategy, X's and O's, kind of what, what some of those trends are in the NBA. I think the last time I had you on was early in the season, and um, I think the... The, the the question there was something like why our offense is so good or why 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 is NBA offense so good and we focused on you know this is great offenses are really executing well this is cool um mm-hmm. over the course of the season that question I think not just from me but from a lot of people is like hey how come nobody can play defense anymore <laughs> so that was sort of the the when we were talking about doing this that was sort of my broad question to you how come nobody in the NBA can play defense right now and obviously. That's a bigger topic than one podcast, but I'm still very interested in some of the hi- or highlights and or lowlights that you kind of came came up with as you were kind of looking into this. Yeah, so one thing is like, do we as fans want defense? Because, you know, better offense is not guaranteed more fans. If that was the case, then the MLS would have supplanted the Bundesliga when they had bigger goals and all that. But one thing is, like, you could officiate some existing rules, and you could call more carrying and more traveling, and when more moving screens, especially when the guy goes, when the defender goes under the screen, uh, a lot of times a screener will like accidentally bump into him as he's rolling to the hoop, so it doesn't get called, and or the Gortat screen, the 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 paint seal, where it's like, yeah, if you want less offense, just start calling these fouls. If you're not going to officiate the game differently, which to me, I, it, I kind of find either way, but one of the reasons no one can play defense anymore. Not, I mean, one thing that's happened is the the uh, extinction of the Tony Allen, the extinction of the um, all D no three wing player. Uh, I think it started with Steve Kerr putting putting Andrew Bogut on Tony Allen and just being like, "We're going to dare you to shoot, or we're going to have Bogut." camp out in the lane and protect. And then they did it. then Golden State did that to Andre Roberson and then something else. So, like, it is so uh, harmful to an offense to have a non-shooting perimeter player that those defensive specialists that were existed probably since the – at least since I was born. I remember them all through the 90s. Um, but at least probably since the existence of the NBA, it just became so easy once three-point shooting became – became an ex- expectation of perimeter players to just, you know, you put your Evan Mobley on their Matisse Thibel and all of a sudden you're playing five on four on defense. So A, the rules, you know, if we want to officiate them differently, we can. B, the pure defensive specialist has kind of gone away. Um, but also, with the if we're going to keep the modern rules the way they are, it's kind of funny to me that, like, like who do you – where does Mikhail Bridges rank in the best wing stoppers in the NBA? And how well did he defend Luca in last year's playoffs? And like Rudy Gobert's best defender in the past 10 years. And Ben Simmons put 40 points on him. And Ben Simmons doesn't shoot 10 times a game. And somehow he put 40 points on the best defender in the past 10 years. And so I've, I've kind of come to the conclusion that, you know, when he gets further, further along in the playoffs, it's maybe it's rules, maybe it's skill, maybe it's both. It's just impossible anymore for one, you know, Gary Payton to fully shut down the other team's star score. Like I was looking through the uh, 
I was looking through the final eight of last year's um, of last year's playoffs, and it was like Luca, Curry, Tatum, uh, Butler, Booker, Morant, Embiid, Harden, Giannis, and it's like which like if you could pick any defender in the NBA, would you trust them to stop this person one on one? And I think the answer is probably no. So team defense. So not even not even one person is the stops all of them. Not even one person well, stop well, all well, of like, them. But, but one person to stop any of them. Yeah, I, I mean, like, would you like would is, you take any post yeah. defender against Embiid? Yeah, I mean, I mean, maybe maybe there's some of those that you might take, but like, but in general, like, is there any post defender who can stop Embiid one v one for for thirty eight minutes a game? Like, I I I, I can't think of one. Um, you it's know, who can stop? Yeah. It's an interesting question because it's, you know, the definition of it, it's one of those things that that because we're in like a hundred and fifteen offensive rating environment, stopping someone looks different than it might have. Like, yeah, if you held him to twenty four, it's like, yeah, we can we with that. Um, I have to, to your first couple things. I have I kind of want to go through those like kind of one quickly one by one and. You know, okay. offer my thoughts and get your get your thoughts as well. When you ask, do you want defense? I don't know if we want defense. I don't think we want like 2005 NBA basketball. No. <laughs> but I think we do need. I think the need for like there to be in in music, we'd call it dynamics. Mm. Like you can't just be, you know, okay, fine. You can you can you know a punk song is two minutes and going you know 100 and whatever BPM and stuff like that. Yeah, that's cool sometimes. But for the most part, everything can't be like, you know, if, if all the, if all that existed was motorhead music might be boring. And and to a certain degree, like NBA is it's, I don't know if it's because everyone is playing fast. Everyone is, and this isn't even a stylistic thing. It's just, and maybe this is me being rose colored, but it seemed like, you know, it wasn't that long ago that there were ebbs and flows in the game, and now there are just long stretches where it, it's it's almost like you're watching racing. And the teams are sort of is that a negative for you? Um, I think I think it is a little bit because I think that 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 part of the interest of the game isn't just like you know the up the down the up the down. It's like okay, now we're mm-hmm. going fast, now we're going slow, now there's you know there's there's the you know I'm a wrestling fan, and it's just like. Um, I mean, they, they, you know, they talk about like, it's the, almost, it's like psychology, which is, you know, the getting the fans invested and stuff like that mm-hmm. versus just doing like flippy shit. And right. like, flippy shit is cool. But if, if that's all you're doing, <laughs> then you're, then you're watching a halftime show. It's like NFL Blitz versus Madden. I don't know if NFL Blitz is even a video game anymore. And, but if, I, if I'm dating myself, NFL Blitz was the arcade football game and that had, it's fun for two or three years or however long that was, but really that's too much offense. And now Madden is a better selling football game. Like yeah, yeah, as too much offense, too many flips is, is obviously detrimental, but like I enjoy the on-court product and like, I, maybe it's a little fat sometimes, but personally I kind of enjoy, it. I, I, I don't um, begrudge. And I, and I remember 2005 watching basketball. It was so boring. NBA basketball. I just, it, it, it uh, it just, it was, it was hard, especially back then we didn't have league pass. So I was watching whatever local game between the eighth place team and the 10th place team in the, in the Western conference or Eastern conference, wherever I lived. Um, and yeah, 
I feel like there has to be some pushback, but I don't mind the product. But then again, maybe if, if the current trends continue, then it's going to maybe get to be too much flippy shit, which I don't follow wrestling at all. So I don't know if I'm using that right or not, but I'm just going to kick it back to you. Yeah. No, I, I, I think that like, do I prefer today's game to the game of 20 years ago? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, does that, does that mean I think that if we're balancing like, you know, speed and offense versus, you know, defense and grind that it could go back a little bit the other way. And I would, and I would be okay with that. I think that's, yeah. that's more where I am. Cause again, like, I think, you know, it's, it's hard to put a number on it, but like, you know, the, the sweet spot probably is somewhere, you know, it's certainly not like a hundred offensive rating environment. Mm-hmm. It's probably like about a one Oh nine or something like it. And, and, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to exactly peg what that looks like. It's just, but you can kind of see we're a little bit past the envelope one way is, mm-hmm. is, is just my it's sort of my impression when we get, I mean, the combination of the, the, the per possession and how fast we're playing, just like the scores always being not even not always, but frequently <laughs> being like 141 to 132. But isn't that your fault, kind of? <laughs> Did, have you been pushing more pace on made baskets and everything, and, and every second you initiate your well, offense well, sooner is well, a no, point but, added that, to your... That, yeah, but that's getting into your offense earlier. It doesn't mean this yeah. shoot earlier. No, that's fair. I mean, I, it's, I've, I'm, I guess my own creation has, has come back to attack me. <laughs> um, uh, let me see. The, I, the thing that I, the, I like the... I, this is something, a theory that I've kind of espoused is the second thing, kind of the, the no more Allens is like, instead, like it's George Nyang, not Tony Allen, basically. Is that right? I think those are, yeah. those are probably comparable level players. It, overall impact or, or defensively? Just no overall, overall impact. Yeah. Just yeah like, yeah. you know, yeah. Um, and, it, and, and a lot of what we're seeing is sort of the aggregate of the entire league to have, just has come to sort of the meta game of choosing George Niang over Tony Allen. And that and, both, yeah. that, that does two things. One, it helps your own offense, but also it hurts your defense. So it helps the other team's offense. And I think that that's, I think that across the aggregating that across the league, I think that has a lot to do with it. Yeah. I feel like in, in sort of that line of thinking, the, uh, the absence of low hanging fruit, like, like we were talking about this last time, but I would probably say 29 NBA offenses do cool, innovative stuff out there. And like Sacramento was like, Hey, why don't we just take some golden state principles and, and so even like the, some of the worst teams do some really cool stuff on offense. Whereas I feel like even three or four years ago, that was not the case. And it was like, you know, you were watching some tanking team have their like, okay, score, inefficient, you know, the whatever volume score, watching him go ISO and try to put something up. Whereas now I feel like we, we at least have 29, like talented offenses do And some of the, and some of the more talented offenses are less innovative and less talented offenses are more innovative. So it sort of balances each other out. Um, kind of just the, the, the lack of the, the lack of, um, I, it's been too long since my college stats classes, the lack of the uh, distance between the worst team and the best team. I forget what the term is the range, the lack of range. Um, or, or, the, or even the worst team to the mean is probably a better uh, proof of what I'm trying to say. It it makes the offensive rating go way up because all of a sudden you have, you know, Sacramento Kings are, are the Utah Jazz or whoever it is, are they're doing some of the things that, you know, you've been espousing for years and, 
and other things that like like I think is just part of a good offense. And lo and behold, they have a, a good offense, even if they you know had no uh, guaranteed all stars on the roster at the beginning of the year. Um, and I don't know how far this trend goes, but yeah, at some point it might be too much offense. But for now, I kind of feel like a lot of the good offense is fun to watch. It's, you know, A, there's more pace to people getting the ball. Like, like it's kind of funny. I'll watch the Cavs a lot and how often I can like fast forward five seconds after a made basket before, you know, Donovan Mitchell or Garland or whoever crosses the half court line versus other teams. They're already getting a shot off. And it's like, that's some low hanging fruit that like a lot of the league seems to have been plucking. And to me, I'm okay with the pace. Um, I, I, I love good defense, but you know, watching some guy ISO or actually let me rephrase that part of me wonders how much of this good offense trend is just the absence of bad offensive habits of the past, you know, less ISO, less long range pull-up jumpers, yada, yada, yada. Um, Cause it seems that offense keeps having solutions to all these defensive techniques and it keeps going, it keeps going, it keeps going to all of a sudden the offensive rating goes up to whatever it's, what's that? 114 now. Um, like the yeah, worst, depending, depending like on the best defense, yeah, depending on the, yeah. Depending on the, depending on the yeah. 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 So like the, the best defense is 110 net or defensive rating or, you know, depending on the method you use, obviously, but like how long ago was 110, like the best offense or a really good offense in the league. Um, it's kind of funny, like how, how quote bad the best defenses are now because offenses are so good. So I, uh, Moda Keel, uh, podcast partner on Nerder, um, his theory. And I, and I think I agree with this is that some of it is, this is this is sort of comes out of the we're just trying to manage the regular season kind of coaching style, which makes a lot of sense from a you know from a game plan, from a maintenance, from a not losing your mind perspective. But it may have served to make defenses defenses and defensive rotations a little too predictable. And there was a play I think earlier this week that almost illustrated to me. I don't think. I don't think Dallas necessarily runs a lot of super innovative stuff, but there was a play like they, they, they kind of had a, a pin down coming out of the left corner uh, and, and one guy in the strong side corner and then did a DHO for Luca to sort to, to kind of start dribbling towards Josh green on the other wing. And the guy guarding Josh green took a step over as Jaden Ivey. They were playing the Pistons, took a step over. They passed to, 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 without even looking at the basket, I think it was Dinwiddie, not Luca. without even like looking at the basket, he's just staring at Jaden Ivey. And as soon as he takes one step over, kicks it to the wing and Josh Green, like, you know, on five drives to the basket and dunks. Like this is just this whole action, knowing that if we here, they're going to have a guy that sinks, that like sinks to the nail and then we're going to do this thing mm-hmm. and then we'll get a dunk. And that, mm-hmm. and it seems like there's just a lot of, you know, I've described it as as sort of uh, Pavlov's offense. You know, you you know Pavlov's dogs. You ring you ring the bell, you get food. Um, you know, you you th- if this then that a lot of different of ways with defenses. Yeah, you you ring the bell, rotates, then you get good, then you you know get open shot, and it seems like there's a lot of that. Do you do you buy that theory? 
I not only buy that theory, I am now questioning if Mo is plagiarizing my notes or if I somehow stole this idea from Mo um, <laughs> because I have it in here about like, because one of the, our, my first time on, on this podcast, we talked about the playoffs and one of the like, my things was like, oh my gosh, all the teams in the final four are using peel switching. And then all the teams not in the final four don't really use peel switching. And then I go into the, and so I'm like, oh, peel switch is going to be a huge trend. And I have seen more and more of it, but like even the team, like, Golden State did a lot of it. Memphis did a lot of it. But Golden State did more of it in the playoffs than they're doing in the regular season. And I made the incorrect assumption that this was Golden State's, like, you know, go-to defense from now on. Because, you know, to take that, your example, so if it, so Dinwiddie's coming off, gets a DHO, and then uh, Josh Green is in the right wing, and Ivy's a nail defender, he stunts at him. Well, if Ivy cuts off, if Ivy switches and cuts off, uh, Dinwiddie, and then if Dinwiddie's defender peels off and goes and goes to Josh Green, all of a sudden, that was what that was what Dallas did last in the play. That's what that's a, like for all the things about Luca beating the Phoenix Suns offensively, they also just did a lot of cool stuff defensively against the Phoenix Suns that took Phoenix way out of its you know just like they didn't know what to do at that point. And then I go back and watch Dallas this season or Golden State, whatever it is, and it's like you guys are doing less of this, aren't you? And it's like. You're just you're like saving it, and I and I I thought it was saving it like to make it less scoutable, but maybe they're saving it to save the wear and tear on their on their players' bodies. Um, I didn't think of it that I was thinking of it as like oh save the you know the secret sauce for the for the playoffs, but I definitely have noticed this. And you know if Ivy gets too far, if he's a step too far in, you you kick it off Josh Green. If he doesn't come too far in, then you turn the corner or whatever. Um, and uh, it's that made that would make a lot of sense. I didn't see that play specifically, but I can like totally envision it. And yeah, it's it could, and especially now because you know if we have all the minivans and Niangs instead of the Tony Allens, it's if Ivy comes in too far, Josh Green might might make that three. Whereas in the past, you know, Roberson has to try to three or he has to try to, try to DHO with somebody. Um, but is that different from NBA offense? Because what you described of like the Pavlov's dog, right? You, like if, if ring the bell, get the food. Isn't that like what the triangle? I mean, is that very different from '90s basketball? That kind of reminds me of of Stockton reading the pick and roll, or, or the triangle offense is sort of like um, chain of the Rupert's gold uh, contraption of events. I always thought the tri- triangle offense is it very different from how it used to be pre two thousand, you know, one. I. I mean, I think it's a similar concept, but it just seems it seems like it's it is partially because it's so easy to even like fake an advantage with with you know you talked about the screening rules. It's just like, oh, this guy's coming off a pick. I have to go here, and mm-hmm. it's the, the guy coming off the like in the example I said before, like Dinwiddie was was there, you say if he doesn't step over, he'll turn the corner. Dinwiddie is going parallel to the basket. He is. There's no thought in his mind to do anything. Oh, but, really? Okay. Oh, this guy's. This guy. I know this guy is going to step in because that's their defense, and then I'm going to kick the ball to. I guess it's. I guess the nomenclature now is a stampede. Stampede action. Um, it's a change. Okay. They change the names of everything every two years. It's. I think. I think stampede is the Euro term, like the Euro coaching term, versus the go and catch is the NBA yeah. term. Uh, but yeah, I can picture that. Yeah, no, I'd, um, so, I'd, I'd I'd always heard it referred to as go and catch. Exactly, it's always like whatever school of coaching you know you're you're familiar with. There's a lot of argument about that. Um, so, is the solution like 
you know, we always think of the motion offense being the, the free decision making of Golden State. Is the solution to have some somewhat of an equivalent on defense, like a, a more free flowing make decisions as opposed to being programmed like Ivy Ivy has to stunt this many steps in, has to recover. Like um would it you're saying if a defense was less predictable, would offenses be less successful right now? Sometimes I just I sometimes I just wonder if hey, guard your guy. <laughs> like it, like it almost oh, because we're, we're we're almost making are are we almost? But then I go back and it's like yeah, but there's some there's some guys you can't do that to. But there's a, I feel like there's a lot of guys like if you if you want to you know if Spencer Dinwiddie wants to come off a DHO and operate and blah blah blah, it's like I'm not saying Spencer Dinwiddie's a bad player, but right, like, he's not Luca, yeah. Okay, you know certainly there's there. there like especially if he's going to his left hand, I'm like, okay, show me what you got. Is almost, and I think a lot of what you're, I think a lot of what you're, you're talking about in the playoffs is because of the playoffs is able to, yeah. If he wants to do that, go ahead, because uh, you can, you can kind of get as that specific. Whereas you know, it's like, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know who played, who Detroit played the night before, but it's like, all right, well, I was is Jamal Murray last night and the, the night before it was Ja and right. and then now it's Spencer Dinwiddie. It's just like ah you know, what's the rule for what, what how do I how do I do the you know, I especially a rookie. Okay, my head's already spinning. What what can I, Dwayne Casey, tell him to do that sort of works against all three guys? Um, so that's yeah, that's a funny cause cause part of me was like, oh well Jaden Ivey's a rookie and um, as I was doing research for this, uh, it's kind of like, yeah, in the regular season, when it's Dinwiddie coming off the, the handoff, it's very different from, like, the playoffs because guard your guy doesn't really work when it's Luka. Like, if you put a bigger guy on him, he's going to go past him. If you put a smaller guy on him, he's going to post you up. Like, like he was – how easy – like, I defend Mikhail Bridges. I think he did a lot better against Luka in the last playoffs, and he gets blamed a lot. Most of the time, he got switched off. Then Luca went to work. However, the one part where McCall Bridges seemed like defenseless was post ups. Like Luca would just like it, it was just kind of like a dad backing down his son at the end of a bad pickup game, um, and it was so easy for him to score. And I'm like, this is like a defensive player of the year candidate, you know. And if it's not him, if he can't stop Luca, who's going to be able to stop Luca? And you know, maybe uh, I'm trying to think about who who that would have. Killian Hayes or whoever was on Dinwiddie should have. Could have been able to take him by himself, but the the guard your guy, um, I I just don't think that's really viable anymore. I because I, like you know you, if you keep if you keep advancing the playoffs, you're going to face a Giannis and you're going to face an Embiid and you're going to face a Jokic, and then who could really stop Jokic if he's making seventy percent of his floaters or whatever he's making this year? Um, it's and and I think the only solution is you know, better help defense than the Jaden Ivey example. Because, like, I I think in a few years from now, we're going to look back at Toronto's roster and we're going to have the same, like, oh, why weren't they better? The same way we look at, like, Harden on OKC. It's like, wait, you guys had, you know, if you're a young, if you're a young NBA fan, you know, and you weren't there the first time around and then you see their their roster, it's like, wait, why did they not win every single game? Um, because I feel like, Toronto has uh, so close to the solution, but so far from the execution to actually make it work. And I was watching a Toronto deep game before this, just to like prepare. And it was like, 
a lot of, a lot of eye rolls um, because I want them <laughs> to be good. Uh, but like, and so then I go back and I was, I was watching like, 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 why does OKC have a better defense than the Toronto Raptors? Like, you know, Toronto Raptors, you can like, you can, they can blame like, oh, we don't have a true, whatever, whatever it is also applies to OKC. It's like, you know, they're sick. Like they put Kenrick Williams at center the other night. And it's like, oh, if Toronto Raptors can't have a good defense because Siakam is playing center, why can OKC have a good defense with Kenrick Williams at center or JRE, is, whatever it is. Um, and it's sort of like, OKC runs all the defensive schemes that I have wanted Toronto to run. And Toronto, like there was an old, there was an old Vibe magazine writer who said about Tupac that he played a he played a gangster in a movie and then never got out of character. And I, I, I don't have an opinion on that, but I feel like Nick Nurse did the junkie box of one defense on Steph Curry and then insisted on keep doing these junky defenses that like misuse their players. And I, it's just, it's frustrating to even think about, but it's funny because then I, I go back from watching them to OKC and they fly around and they shrink the floor and they recover the shooters and they all, they have size all over the floor. So like they're the, the guy who leads OKC in blocks right now is, is, is shy. Their, their point guard leads the team in blocks. It's like everyone on the team, is blocking shots and taking charges and all that. Whereas I go watch the Raptors, they get backdoored and no one rotates because I feel like it's sort of like the, um, the extension of Boston's no weak link, you know, like Marcus smart, like we're going to trade Dennis Schroeder and have Marcus smart as our full-time point guard. And you know, we're going to have nobody you can really target one-on-one. -on -one. And there aren't that many Marcus smarts to go around to be your point. Like how many defensive player of the year uh, point guards are there in the league? I mean, less unless you want to influence this one's race too but <laughs> i mean you, no you'd say you like you'd say that the guys like the 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 starting level point guards in the league that like can you know function in the range of defensive assignments is it's marcus smart it's drew holiday and we could if we if we thought really hard about it we might be able to come up with one or two more right and so you can't you can't always get the really good defensive but what you can't like like Josh Giddy and, and, and Shai are not the best, you know, they're not Marcus Smart, but, they're huge. but they do have a lot of size yeah. and length. Yeah. And so, so it's not replicable to have a defensive player of the year, a point guard every time, but it is replicable to like, or not, not, not for every team, but I was making a list and I came up with like 15 kind of people of that size or bigger who could, you know, uh, make it. So you have no, I mean, if Boston's no weak links, maybe it's, no small links on the floor for OKC where there's and like, yeah, yeah, they have some rotation players, but starting closing lineups have a, have a lot of length and they have a lot of size. I mean, I, I, this is something I have. Hmm. Strength, body strength has been something mm -hmm. that I've picked up on as a playoff thing over the year. And that, but that's why, but, but like, okay, Fred Van Vliet functions in the playoff because he's, Okay, he's he's small, doesn't have great length, whatever, but he's but he's strong. Now that you know, what you're saying that that might be changed. Um, I mean, I it, it might be changed, but one thing is, I always want to make certain this point. I don't think Memphis should trade John Morant. Like, like take care of your offense first. But if you're lucky enough to have your offense taken care of, maybe consider having no small guards out there. Because if because now that like like 
we talked about this in the about the playoff podcast where it was just like it's almost too easy if you have all of your rim protection and Rudy Gobert in one person and eight whoever it is it's too easy to go five outs or do whatever and to get Aiton or Rudy Gobert too far from the hoop to protect the rim, right? Like, like that's been, so if it's too, if you can't rely on one person for rim protection anymore, you know, have, have a power forward to protect the rim, have a point guard who can protect the rim, or even if you can't protect the rim, he could take charges or yada, yada, yada. But like, I feel like as much size as possible, because if you're going to be a five out offense, like, like, like back in the day, it was always four out offenses. Your center was always next to the hoop. He was always your low man. But now if it's a five out offense, sometimes it's going to be Van Vliet as your low man. It's going to be your smallest guy. It's going to be Trey Young. And it's like, do you want your low man to be Trey Young or do you want it to be, you know, Shigos Alexander? Or do you want it to be, you know, just someone who has more size than a lot of the smaller point guards? Um, and if you can't all be Drew Holidays or Marcus Smart, what you can do is at least get, you know, more size back there. Okay, so that 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 we've so we've solved it by no more no more small point guards. Like, like sorry, Ty, sorry, Tyus Jones, uh, you're 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 a great backup point guard, and the 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 the, the Tyus Jones John Morant lineups are fun, but that's just you're just well, um, you might just be done defensively with that with that with that pairing. I would say that having Stephen Adams and Jaron Jackson, like like if you have Evan Mobley and Jared Allen, you could probably have Darius Garland, right? Sure, and 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 also like Steph Curry. Fights, he punches above his weight. Like he's a, he's six three or whatever. But like he, I was just watching him like like defend a Siakam post up because he fights above his weight. And so it's not necessarily like a no, no small guards, but for the role playing small point guard, like the Dennis Schroeder as your point guard versus versus Marcus Smart as your off guard, it's like maybe if you have Tatum, you know, you have wing score, whatever. If you have it elsewhere, maybe you don't have the role playing small point guard. The good small point guards. Yeah, the backup small point guard's fine. But maybe unless it's Moran, unless it's whoever, that's and not just that not just point guard, but also shooting guard all the like like all the way up and down the roster if possible. That makes sense. So like 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 Pritchard like Pritchard could be a backup, you know, but you don't want him to be the starting point guard against the Warriors in the finals, for example. Can, you know, yeah, like, can, like, can, yeah. can he be on can he be is is just putting him on the floor. Does that just like crush your defense? So that's, that's almost, you know, if nobody, nobody can, it's not like, Oh, you know, there's some bad defensive comments. Nobody can play. defense. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, and I, I'm kind of curious that, that the whole playoff thing, are they saving it? I, I, it, that's a tough question because partly I'm like, you guys were doing some things last year in the playoffs that you're not doing this year. And I've also, I've actually noticed, like we're talking about peel switching earlier, but I've noticed more teams are doing it and they're doing it in different ways. So part of me is like, are you saving this for the playoffs? Because that was something you didn't do a year ago. Um, and uh, also there's, you know, just not even schematic things, but straight up intensity of, you know, um, how many ISOs does LeBron or Kawhi defend during the regular season versus a pivotal, you know, postseason game. Um and maybe that ties back to the, you know, if we had a short regular season, maybe there'd be more defense. I don't know. Okay. So, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm very wary of, of any solution, especially defensively. Cause I think the trope, Oh, you just got to work hard to play defense. Cause I think, mm-hmm. that, you know, that uh, the reason most guys who can't defend in the NBA is not a lack of effort 
it's a lack of either physical or mental ability and often both um it by and large but but if you're saying that like with the way like with as good as offenses are now you need to be at like you know the the this one you need to go to 11 to be able to play mm-hmm. play credible defense I, you know and and you know doing that four times a week is not i'm going to go so far it's not possible it's not yeah. possible it maybe is possible for like your 15 minute a game energy guy but it's not possible for the guy who that who you need to play 30 minutes 32 minutes and then you know initiate offense for you at the other end right right it's and and so do you think you said it's we said lack of size and or skill or no you said mental what was it um, it's either lack of physically or lack of like you know, Amari Stoudemire always got always lazy. I, I, I you know, watch those. Amari Stoudemire was by and large not lazy. He just didn't know where to go. Mm-hmm. He was he was he wasn't late because he was loafing. He was late because he was looking the wrong direction when the other team was was running their action. He was more mentally late than physically late. Like that was a bigger problem. Yeah, uh, and you know that's and, and that's you know that's you know why is Jaden Ivey not a good defender as a rookie? Like when he has all the you know all the movement skills in the world. It's because he is, you know, he's he's looking the wrong spots and not not knowing what he's seeing. So, so is that different you know, from welcome to the NBA? Yeah, is, is that is that different from what it was like? I mean, t- 10, 20 years ago, was there more defensive? Is it like a mental thing? Is it or is it a generational thing? Or is it just are we noticing it more now because of the rule changes? Or I mean, there's there's possibilities here. One is that. Like, do you, like the the sort of the base defense has become so complex that you know with then it's this just like all those kind of all some time to really internalize and and on the other hand maybe it's and it's probably coming of both and on the other end like because offenses have you know generally moved towards some degree of optimization in terms of spacing and what we're trying to accomplish, like what winning a possession looks like, then mm-hmm. you, you get, you get punished more for, for, for mistakes. I mean, you know, it's like if, if uh, you know, the, the example I always like to use is, is, you know, the heat title teams did a fair amount of like run jump, put two on the ball, stuff like that. Yeah. When like when the other team beats it with like swing, swing, and it's a baseline 18 footer, the math is one way. If it's swing, swing, corner three from a two guard, the math is very different. And like the, and it's you, a, you you go from yeah. we can force enough turnovers to make that work to nobody has ever forced enough turnovers to make that work. And it's a harder rotation as well to, to the yeah. you know twenty three feet to the corner versus eighteen feet to the baseline. Right. And the whole you know Kevin Garnett at the top of your zone, you know, except for some Mobley last year, but we don't really see that anymore. Um, and uh, do you miss it? Like, 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 if you had your way, would you orchestrate the rules to return to more run and jump possibility defenses? I mean, having prime weight and LeBron really helps that. But is the... I, mean, I, I think that I mean I think that the that offense is being smarter. Some some strategies like you know, there's there's I've you know I used to play I used to play poker professionally. There's some there's some stuff you can do against bad players you can't do against good players. 
<laughs> and 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 it'll like and it will lose you money against good players, make you more money against bad players than playing the same way like, that you would against a good player would. And I think there's a like, you know, the, the, those Heat teams would destroy bad offenses and still be pretty good against good offenses. Um, and there's there's like Golden State in Boston, like the two finals last year, both had some of that. You know, if you did if you did dumb things offense, they were going to crush you the other way. But the thing is, is most teams, especially most better teams, a don't dumb things as much anymore, and b because because it's George Niang, not Tony Allen, are better able to punish you when they don't do the dumb thing. And that's, that's something like, that's, you and I that, have both. That, I think, yeah, I, I think that 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 sort of explains you know macro, but I still feel like I still feel like we haven't really gotten to the question of or or your initial thesis is it's not bad defense, offenses are just good. Is that partially is that a yeah summary? Yeah, I because I, it's there's so like you're saying like if you make one mistake you can kind of punish them, like Boston and Golden State could do it, because more and more there are like five plus playmakers on the floor, you know, like five above, like, like the better teams, they have so much passing and playmaking ability up and down the roster where it's like, if Niang gets the ball, he might, I, I mean, I, I don't remember Tony Allen's read, so I don't know if this is true, but like Niang is a better shooter, but also he might be better at like making the read and finding the open man. Better passer, better, better ball handler. Yeah. Like just, just like, yeah. Yeah. Right. And so it, mistakes are easier to punish. I think they are. Yeah. I, 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 so I think that's right. So, um, so that, that, that brings us back to, is it, is it just that there isn't a team that can really consistently kind of defensive mistake, not free, but limiting basketball for like a quarter at a time. Um, it's like, it's hard. It's Boston's defense is sort of puzzling because you would think on paper that they have, I mean, they have a really good defense, right? But, um, you know, it feels like it was better last year. And I don't know how much of that is, you know, Horford getting older and, and Robert Williams. Um, but uh, I, it kind of brings me back to OKC because they're so undermanned and they're a top 10 defense. And it's like, what happens when Chet Holm, what happens when they combine these like the team defense and length all over the floor and they fly around and they shrink the floor and, and they work harder. Like, like they're better at work. I, I, rotations than like the Raptors have been. It's kind of amazing. And then it's like, what happens if, if you take that and then Pokashevsky comes back at power forward and Chet home. So then you have the traditional rim protection, you know, the twin towers look that like, that like the Grizzlies have and the Cavs have, but you have that plus a bunch of size and length all over the floor. And um, I mean, I, it, I don't know if it's a fluke. I don't know if it's going to stay. I don't know if OKC is defense going to stay this way, but it's kind of like, if Boston's defensive rating is like whatever, it was like 112, whatever last I checked, it's like in 112 a few years ago was a really good offense. Um, I kind of feel like, you know, the days of the Kobe stopper or the MJ stopper, you know, the individual, I'm going to shut you down. Like that's as your poker analogy, like it's going to work against bad offenses or, you know, players who aren't Luca. It might work on Dinwiddie, but it's not going to work on Luca. And if you can't stop Luca one v one, the only hope is better team defense. Um, it's it's yeah. You 
having guys who can fly around and make the rotations and be be like the equivalent of the Warriors on offense, which is you know a pretty tough ask. But yeah, it's it's with the rule changes and everything like that. I I just don't like it. If you took a one v one game of any two top scorers, I have a hard time seeing like a lot of stops. Like maybe you know maybe someone misses the shot, but the shot's probably going to be pretty decent. Sure. So I guess I mean this is this is having you know unsurprisingly since the NBA has not solved it, we haven't either in forty five <laughs> minutes. Um, I guess since you you you've 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 brought up OKC a bunch of times, I guess the 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 last question is. Are they attempting to do anything different or are they just doing it better? Like, I guess the, this is, this is sort of a tough question because, you know, it's, it's uh this is this hard question was evaluating defense in any sport is like, you don't always know what the guy was supposed to do. Um, but is there, I mean, are they enabling themselves to do these defensive things by making it simpler or are they do make the same reads and rotations that, most NBA based defenses, they're just doing it faster, better. Both. They have a better scheme and better execu- okay. execution. They do a lot of the stuff that I was raving about about the last years in the playoffs. And one of the things they do is like, like they rarely switch the initial action. Like they're going to go over, they're going to lock and trail the screen. So they, ne- they rarely have plan switches, but they have so a no bunch soft of switches. Plan switches. <laughs> No soft switching. No, they, so, they, so, they, so they they do no soft switching. So one thing is no soft switching, but also it's, it's to me it's so rare to, to have so few switching before the screen and so many switching after the screen of like the whatever you call it, the veer back, the the paint switch, the you know there's a few different terms for it, the late switch. And that's one like, like they they take you out of your offense because they go over all the screens so you and they don't just soft switch. So all of like Golden State, all they have has Golden State has so many great switch beaters but they don't work if you don't switch the initial action. However, switching is good for a reason. And so they'll, they'll, tra- they'll trail Clay Thompson on the screen and then the screener's defender switches on to Clay Thompson and, and then the uh, Clay Thompson's defender will switch onto the screener and they have, and they shrink in the help defenders way more. So usually, you know, you, usually you switch a ball screen so you don't have to bring in help defenders, but you know, then, then if that happens, then Draymond just slips the screen and he has a layup However, they suck it. They pre-rotate the help defenders. So one thing, they rarely switch initial actions, but they do a lot of unplanned switching. If you get penetration, that's when they peel switch. That's when they veer back switch. They do all that stuff. And then they have enough of size where they can pull it off. And then uh, two, they are really good at baiting you into ISOing or post-ups. Um, and because it's like they... A, it's not that big of a size difference if Sabonis posts up Josh Giddy, but B, they're really good at bringing in the help defenders in ways you don't typically do in a switching scheme. And so they they don't do soft switches, but they will like jump switch. They'll do a lot of uh, kind of more aggressive switching that take you out of your offense. And it's all these things put together where it's a funny combination because it's like like Golden State Warriors, like, oh, we switch everything, you know, and it helps if you have Draymond and then Harrison Barnes and all that back then. But like, it's sort of they've combined the the switching, but also they don't switch the initial action, so all the switch speeders don't really work. And the thing is, kind of like the Jaden Ivy, the rookies aren't very good at defense. OKC's defense could also be a lot better than it, it even is if if they have a traditional rim protection again, and if these guys, you know, these twenty year olds get older and better and you know more experienced, like they'll make some mistakes, but the mistakes are sort of like good process mistakes and. 
it's uh, the idea of no soft switching, but free, like, like, like the late to early switches and early to late switches. It's, and then, and then way more pre-rotating and sucking in help defense. Those are like the two main things I've noticed that are different. And I've seen other teams do some of these things, but OKC seems to be the most radical of them. And the fact that they're this good with you know, all these limitations, I'm kind of like, well, what happens if Boston does all this stuff? What happens if, you know, yada, yada, yada. Um, you know, we talk about the size and the size they have up down the roster and the rim protection from the point guard, yada, yada, yada. But yeah, it is schematic thing, I would say, way more than just execution. They are, they are coached well and they're disciplined, but they do enough things tactically that I'm like, oh, wow. Like, like it's, you guys should be watching this and you guys should be learning a thing or two about their defense. Um, so, so to bring it almost yeah. full circle, your the, the that description mean it, it almost seems like, you know, because one of the one of the sort of predictable things that like drives me drives a lot of people crazy is that soft switch. It's like, all right, we yeah. we have this we have this great defender, we have this guy that we that we're playing, so he can match up with Luca, and then we're just letting you mm-hmm. let Luca point at somebody else and say, no, he's right. guarding me now, and and so that that's like that's sort of the I mean the, the the maximal version of the the, the predictiveness is and if we just run a little roll straight the Raptors. Right switch and then we'll, yeah yeah that that drove me crazy watching the Suns do that to Luca and bring it back to the Raptors where it's like it's nice to be able to switch like OKC can but it's also nice not to need to switch to make make the guy fight over that screen make you know try not to switch but then you can switch if you have to where as opposed to like. The Suns, they kind of kept switching everything. So I think that was just their scheme. And they just, you know, deer in the headlights sort of, all right, this isn't working, but we didn't practice anything else all year round. Like I remember they kept putting uh, Chris Paul and they kept having Chris Paul's man screen Luca so Luca could come get a handoff in like Chicago action. And then it was just bucket after, because Chris Paul would switch on Luca. And then it's just bucket after bucket after bucket. Because it was like, that was just what the Suns did. And it worked all year round. So maybe, you know, Maybe teams are smart not to show all their cards this early in the season, but yeah, um, it's not soft switching, fighting over screens, but liberally switching the help defense. That that I think makes a big difference. And if and to to put that in a in a, in a sort of a bigger bucket, that sounds far less predictable than because that's that's a much it more is. yeah that that's not it's it's less almost that's that's identifying actual fires rather than theoretical fires. And then, you know, we're saying if the defense, the read is, you know, if it's just, or there's an offensive read, like if, if this, then that, if Ivy, you know, if Ivy flashes, then give it to Josh Green or whatever, it's kind of like harder because Looney is pretty good at like, all right, if this, if they switch, then the slip is going to be open for Curry for the layup. Right. But if you don't know, they're going to switch. If, they, if they're trying to not switch, it's harder for Looney to make that read. It's harder for Draymond. Oh, Draymond's pretty good at that. But, you know, it's harder for DiVincenzo to make Whoever it is, it is a lot less predictable because even the defense doesn't know what it's going to do until the split decision of like, oh, wait, I can't recover my man. All right, you take him. I'm going to take the screener. Um, it is a lot less predictable, which is probably why I've enjoyed watching them so much. Well, I guess that's uh, – I guess that, that – that my homework then is to uh... – <laughs> more intently watch some Thunder games to to see if I, if I can pick up on this. Um, I the funny thing is I'm sure you have as you said before we started you have pages and pages of notes and we've probably gotten through like the first like the first quarter of the first page which I, is you know predictable I guess 
um, for, uh, for our conversations. But I that's think that's a good that, thing. That, yeah. yeah. I think that's that's sort of I, I think we can we can sort of put a button on the, the on on at least having covered one piece of the topic, and and not try to strain to. Hit. I agreed. Rather hit a few things well than everything poorly. Which is you know in a way a perfect summation because I think a lot of <laughs> a lot of the problem is defenses are, are that are trying to take everything away and end up taking nothing away. Right. Well. I I, uh, I I think that's a that's a pretty good spot to to wrap. So I uh, as always appreciate your your time, especially your prep time uh, for coming. I appreciate this. that. And, uh, and uh, you know, before I let you go, you want to tell tell folks listening where uh, where they can find your stuff or find you for uh, all these kind of events. So the be- the best place to find me uh, Twitter at Bowser to Bowser. Um, uh, I do some writing, Basketball Action Dictionary um, is a medium blog, um, but if you ever see Bowser to Bowser, that's probably me or it's an imposter. Um, so whatever, wherever you're getting your YouTube or your Twitter or blog posts, that's where I'll be under. All right. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, I'll be back Thanks, next week. Calling shots. Uh, a lot of, I think we got a trade deadline coming in next week um, and probably probably look ahead and behind at the end. Uh, so talk to you all then. Thanks for listening and take care.